The views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not represent those held by AFI. This is just a podcast, guys. Just a bit of cracks, please. No giving out. Welcome back to another episode of The Domestic Game, a solo host episode today. Kelly's not available, so you just have me, Joe Kinahan, bringing in a, a guest host this time. I'm sure you'll all have heard of him by this stage, uh, National Flag Team Head Coach, Mr. Dan Shaw. Dan, how are you today? Not so bad. Thank you for having me. Not so bad, not so bad. Um, obviously, just give yourself um, a bit of a, a bit of an introduction. You have a long history with sort of American football in Ireland here. You've been around, so... Um, just tell that the kind folk who may not know you as much as maybe they should. Here you are, what you're about. Uh, yeah, started off um, flag coaching up in Coleraine when I was at university and then sort of uh, went around that for a year or two and then moved on to the Trojans and did flag team manager and set their program up and did a little bit of kiddie coaching as well for a couple of years. Um, was involved in the, the Shamrock Bowl in 2019, which was fantastic. And then obviously set the lines up. Um, and spent two years with them and stepped aside there in January. And I'm just focusing now on the Wolfhounds coaching. Yeah, um, I suppose before we go any further, uh, this episode of the domestic game is brought to you by the Dublin Bay Raptors. Um, did you watch the 2023 Super Bowl uh, and the halftime ad with Diana Flores, their run with it uh, commercial? Did that make you feel, oh, maybe I should try flag football? Did you see the Pro Bowl from last year in January? Uh, if yes is the answer to any of those questions, maybe you want to give flag football a go, come on down to Dublin Bay Raptors, one of Ireland's premier flag football teams, and play with some of the best flag footballers on the island. Uh, we'll let you check out their socials uh, all across the Instagrams and the Facebooks at Dublin Bay Raptors. Uh, yeah, so we'll get into this uh, one-on-one conversation then, again, since Kelly's not here today. So uh, Saturday, Dan, Saturday just gone as we're recording this. Um, there was a massive Wolfhounds clinic with uh, under under 20s, uh, the senior kitted team, and obviously more kind of focused on uh, yourself and myself, uh, the flag football team as well. Uh, how did you feel um, kind of getting all those athletes in together and, and kind of sharing a space? And obviously, just how do you think the day was run uh, from your own perspective? Uh, yeah, it was a fantastic camp um, to have, as you said, to have all three teams down ourselves, um, Alan Lamassi with the under-19s and then obviously Coach Kieran uh, with the senior kitted. Um, firstly, to, to engage with those other coaches, like we, we've spoke previously and we've had a little bit of dialogue, but I know with, especially with the flag, you don't always see the kitted side of things, you know, meeting with coaches from across the island and there is a lot of transferable skills there. Um, it's something that we're keen on doing a little more going forward of getting our coaches sitting down in meetings with them and just sharing the knowledge, really. It's something that I don't think is done enough over here, uh, especially in the kitted game where teams are all most you know if you've got a good thing going you're a little bit reluctant to share tape or, or share ideas with guys um, and I think it was a good chance to sort of spread the knowledge base a little bit there um, in terms of having everybody out in the field together um, I've been talking to Chris and stuff about it the, the sort of visual side of how stunning it was to see so many athletes over 100 Wolfhounds athletes down on the one camp together um, I know when we started the flag well, I started the flag under myself last March. We had 35 done. And to go from that to a camp where you have two full pitches with 
kitted team training and then obviously us in between them and the under-19s. It just, yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. And I think it's really encouraging for the national programme, but also through the domestic setup. You know, if, if you're a player, whether you're playing EBC flag or you're playing AFI one kitted or you're playing one of the youth teams, you now have that pathway. No matter what your your code is, you have a pathway into the national programme where you know you can be from any team from across the island playing any version of our sport and you know that you can get top top coaching there with the best athletes in the island. Um, I think a lot of praise obviously has to go to, to Alan Orr. Um, the work that he's done, I, I don't think we'd have... Well, I, personally, I don't think we'd have a national programme, but we certainly wouldn't have the the three-team national programme that we do have now without the, the work that he's done in the background to, to make sure that that happens. Um, but yeah, I think the credit has to go to the athletes as well. You know, there's guys down there from as far north as Donegal all the way down to Cork come together um, and given up I mean the yeah. session itself was seven hours um, so when yeah. you take into account the travel and stuff like that it, it's a very long day for guys um, and to put that work in and to show that even if it is just coming down there you know there's guys there that maybe won't represent Ireland in competition but coming down and putting seven hours of your time in just to get a little bit better at your sport um, I think it's a real credit to all of them yeah yeah I think that's you kind of hit it there See, like visually seeing what was it 150 or 180 or something like that? Uh, coaches and players all in one, all in one space, sharing fields. Um, it was great to kind of give that. You know, you can make it, and and you can train with some of the best players in Ireland. You just have to put yourself in the position to to get there. Like you know, you said there's tons of teams represented, um, across the kit and across the the flag side of things. Uh, I think I remember talking to you a couple months ago and. Um, even going back to sessions in like October and November, there was there must have been twelve or thirteen, or maybe even more uh, flag football teams represented by the athletes that were there. So it's just a case, you know. I think sometimes there's been uh, a kind of an idea that you know only players from a select number of teams can can be selected for the for the national panel. But I think you over the last maybe two years or so, there's been. It seems to be anyway that there's been a lot of effort to really look for the best athletes as opposed to looking from athletes from the best teams. Um, so, yeah, it's just great to see. And obviously the the level of competition that you get in those scrimmages and in those drills as a result is just, it's, it's immense. Like, you know, running through some of those drills and lads are, you could really see people are fighting for their places. Um, especially with us, obviously we're kind of speaking from a flag perspective here and, what what do we have down thirty was it thirty men's um thirty men's team athletes maybe more uh on Saturday yeah yeah we had uh, thirty thirty men's and then the the eight women's athletes that were done as well um yeah. I, I, again the the women's team obviously offers its own challenges from a coaching perspective um and also for the players down there you know we, we've had players like uh, Helen Smith and Jenny Kavanagh who've been with us since the start of the program that are only now starting to see really the fruits of the, the labour that they've been putting in um, in terms of recruitment and trying to grow the sport. Um, it's great to see. I, I was having a couple of conversations at the weekend actually with guys who are aware of new teams starting up. Um, obviously, we have the Leash Labs that were put in at the AGM. You know, very excited to see another, I assume there'll be GBC South team coming through there um, and putting the work in. Um, there's also been this, I believe it's the McGee Musketeers um, starting up around sort of Vipers territory. Um, again, it, it's an area of the island that isn't really explored an awful lot. You know, we, we only really have yeah. one team up there, which were a, a quite a big population base. 
Um, it's a point I'd always made about the Galway teams that you'd one flag team in Galway and not really a lot of sort of local rivalries or teams that they could just throw a blitz day together um, with without a sort of serious amount of travel. Um, also, uh, Johnny Thompson and Sam Black that have started the team in Newtonards. Um, they're a fantastic group. You know, it's guys that we'd worked with previously at the Lions that, you know, maybe training times didn't suit and stuff. So they, they've sort of went out on their own to, to start something that's a bit more suitable to them. But yeah, I wish them all the best. I think that they're a fantastic group of guys with a great attitude who just really love playing flag football. Um, really looking forward to seeing what they can actually put together down there. Um, the other, obviously as well, the uh, much more recently the Razorbacks flag team that's starting up. Um, it's head coached by Zach. You know, that's Zach Appleyard. Um, that's a team that's been in the league previously, um, but it's sort of been in and out in a little sort of stop-start nature flag. Um, that'll be again. It's going to be interesting. Um, it's always interesting when a kid team steps into flag, especially after being out for for a few years. That'll be. You know something for Zach to police there, and um, that'll probably be its own challenges compared to other teams. Um, another one that we, we'd spoke about previously that I'd be interested to see come back into flag is UL. Um, yeah. I think they have a fantastic kind of program, and obviously with the Euros in August, you know you've really got that motivation there to bring flag football back into Limerick. Um, we're hoping that we're going to be on the campus for close to a week. Um, so you know if there's, I, I'd had a conversation when I was down there previously with Liam Ryan. And he was quite enthusiastic about not necessarily just flag, but like what UL can do um, and how their program's going. So whether it's a case of us meeting with their coaches and sort of giving them some tips on on, on what to do there or running even a clinic during the week for them, um, I'd be really enthusiastic to see UL get back into the flag football. Yeah, especially with um, like there's a an intervarsity, a national intervarsity competition, I think, or an international. Jeez, I can't even remember now off the top of my head. I know there was talk of bringing in like a, a, a uni only. So you'd have probably 18 to 23-year-olds um, all representing a, a national intervarsity team. So that'd be great for, again, UL bringing in players. Like it's a great time to, to bring it in, um, bring it into that kind of that Vikings program and and even more yeah, players to select from then like you know it, it's uh... something that we've got an eye towards the sort of intervarsity side sorry um, it's something that we always try to push with Queens as well um, yeah. obviously when I left Coleraine and came back to, to Belfast it's something that we'd approached and obviously it's very different to start a flag programme from scratch when you're trying to sort of latch on to a, a university programme especially as a non-student um, it has its own challenges and I obviously yeah. As frustrating as it can be, obviously respect that the universities have to protect their own brand, and you can't be sort of loaning the logo out to anybody. Um, but I would be keen to see a few more intervarsity teams start up in the north. Um, the Elks have obviously been doing fantastic work to stay. I think they're under their fourth head coach now. Um, over the last sort of seven eight years, and the fact that they're still knocking around after all that time, um, is great to see. But I think we do need. You know, it, it would be a lot easier for the Elks to grow and develop if they had Jordanstown or McGee, for example, to have their own sort of intervarsities with and get a little bit extra flag in. But um, yeah, UL is a big one that I'd like to see as such a strong kitted team. And mm-hmm. I suppose the same goes for UCD, that they have really strong historic kitted programs. And for them to bring the flag into that and sort of allow it to develop maybe even the first year players, getting them down, you're giving them extra receiver reps and stuff like that. Um Obviously, a lot of it's dependent on coaching time. You know, it, I don't think any team 
has the coaches they wish they had. You know, it, it, you ask any top SBC team, they'd like two or three more positional coaches just to help um, spread the load a little bit. But I think that, yeah, if, if those teams can start to reach into that, into the sort of flag world that we have, um, I think those inter-varsity competitions could be a lot stronger. Yeah, and I suppose, again, having a couple more college teams would help kind of solve the problem that the proposal for the inter-varsity league coming into this year uh, at last year's AGM, the kind of challenges that that kind of brought up. Um, of the main sort of opposition to it was the fact that there's only really, is it only four or maybe five uh, flag football teams that are associated with colleges? Like, I think having eight, nine different colleges around Ireland that, that have a flag football program would help kind of alleviate sort of worries from teams thinking that they'd be playing the same people every week for however many weeks and then that'd be it. Like a spot, like that's what's so great about the flag football scene, I think, in, at the moment, the national club scene, is that there's, what is it, it's 25 clubs, I think, across Premier Division and, and uh, Division 1. Like you, you have such a, a vast amount of teams and different types of, of players and like obviously a different level of players as well. But I think the main thing with the intervarsity thing that was brought up at the AGM was you'd be seeing the same three teams every week for say six weeks and then that'd be it. Like there's no, you're not coming up against a different opponent or, you know, you're, you're saying the same guys every week. And I, I feel like that was the main thing with it. Whereas again, bringing in, the likes of say Queens back on board and going to NUIG and getting IT Carlo or something like that, you know, getting different colleges around Ireland, yeah, taking it up. And obviously then, as we said, this this competition coming up, it allows more athletes to be selected and and it just gives a better kind of um what's the word more eyes on the sport, I suppose, at the end of the day, which is what we're all really looking for. Yeah, I think the intervarsity for the current teams offers definitely a, a different challenge. Um, I could see the opposition to it. You know, I I tried to speak to some of the, the college teams when we were down there at the AGM uh, about the reservations. And obviously if you're, if, for example, Maynooth, who yeah. up until the last week of the season are competing for a playoff spot, and you're going to tell a team that's very, very competitive in the EBC and has been for two or three seasons now, and suddenly they're going to be playing the league with maybe three or four rookie teams. And that's the only competition they're going to be able to see. You know, it, it is going to be a difficult sell. Um, I think you're right in saying that the best way to get a team like Maynooth or Trinity to agree that InterVarsity is the way to go is to build the InterVarsity scene up. Yeah. You know, I think a team like Maynooth would be a lot more open to playing for a Senate or Varsity Championship if they were playing the Elks and Trinity and UCD and Limerick with, you know, competitive flag programs there. Um, I think it's a lot of an easier sell than please join our inter-varsity league. Don't worry, we'll get teams closer to the time. Um, I think that you've got to put that that groundwork in to show teams, especially competitive teams, that stepping away from the, the EBC or the Premier Division as it is now, stepping away yeah. from that is the, is the right call to make. Um, you know, I don't think any coach or team manager is going to turn around to their players if they're competing for a playoff spot in the Premier Division and say, yeah, we're going to give that up to go and play in this league that we really know very little about. Um, I think there has to be a proposal made there to the colleges to show that this is the, the way forward. Yeah. Um, I'm going to bring you back. You mentioned the uh, National Women's Team Flag Football Programme. Uh, just talk a bit about that. Obviously, it had been 
I, I don't think we've ever put forward a women's national team. Um, and obviously you guys, yourself and, and Ian and the rest of the coaching staff were big on making sure a women's team was, or an Irish women's rep, uh, team was represented in the, in the tournament. Um, just talk about the sort of the recruitment of some players. And, you know, I, I think it's fair to say there's been some challenges there with, you know, the, the squad numbers maybe still just are a little bit shy of what you'd ideally li- like. Um, but talk to us about the women's programme that you've set up. Uh, yes, it's something that's been obviously in the work for a couple of years now. Um, we had female athletes down um, under the previous regime to try and build yeah. sort of that framework for a programme. Um, it does have its own challenges, obviously, with the domestic game not being where we'd necessarily like it to be women's team-wise. You know, if when, when you look at the men's team, for example, you're picking from such a big pool of players. We don't really have that luxury with the women's team. And I think it's definitely possible to get to that level where we're sitting there with eight to ten teams with five or six women's players per team. And you can then bring them down and really have a, a, an open tryout like we had with the men's team. Um, I think a lot of the credit, and again, not to deflect the other people, but um, I think a lot of the credit has to go to for firstly, the athletes, the, the people like I'd mentioned earlier, like Helen Smith and Jenny Kavanagh and Hannah King, who were coming down to these camps where there were only the three of them to compete. And they were running sort of brief positionals and then obviously trying to wrap in with a men's scrimmage, which was far from ideal. But they wanted to put the work in. They were just happy to be there, to be getting coaching and to be trying to encourage other women around the league to join the program. Um, I've, I've seen some encouraging things the last couple of weeks, obviously, I would like to see every club trying to bring more women into their team. Um, I think that it can really, it, it's something that in my last year with the Lions, we made sure we're sort of at the forefront of everything we did. Um, the, the Lions current committee, uh, or certainly the committee when I left, was 50% male, 50% female with a female chairperson. And I think that that really puts it in that, you know, the, the issue that we had when we spoke to female players is that it, the recruitment is a very different type of recruitment it's something that Kelly Dwyer spoke about a lot as well um, yeah. and I think she's made some great points that she's learned obviously from from playing abroad that you don't recruit a female player the same way you do recruit a male player um, and I think having a female chairperson or a woman in sport officer like we do uh, or we did sorry the hands um, and a welfare officer there that if a female player is uncomfortable or comes down to the team and doesn't really know how to get into the sport there's those avenues there, there there's people who have been through that same process um, to speak to you know I've seen the Vipers doing women's only tryouts which is fantastic to see um, obviously we have Abby Calhoun from the the Vipers playing for us currently um, and it's great to see them really pushing out to try and build their their women's team base um, seeing a lot of credit to the Panthers who have always been very open to it I mean at a time where it was really only ourselves and the Panthers that had female players um, playing for them in the top division you have, you have Jenny Cavanaugh down there who's really leading the charge to try and promote it within the club but also reaching out to other clubs like I know these tournaments that are coming up um, I really want to speak about them and the, I think they can be a really fantastic driving force uh, towards what we're trying to do at international level um, I know Kelly has put in countless hours um, and the conversations that I've had with her especially doing it remotely from where she's been um, to try and put that work in to establish these uh, I think if clubs buy into them it could be a real driving force for women in our sport um, I think that flag is obviously the most accessible way. You know, we've seen recently on social media that there are other ways for you to play 
American football in Ireland if you're a woman. Flag is also obviously the most accessible way for that. Um, and I think that if more clubs reach out, you know, I'm, I'm sure Kelly won't mind me saying that she's only a message away if clubs are struggling to recruit female athletes and are really looking for advice on how to take that next step. Um, I think it, it's, you know, it can do no harm to send Kelly a message and ask, how do you think we should be doing this differently? You know, are our posters what would appeal to a female athlete? Um, the, the women's team itself, obviously, at the national level, we're sitting now with sort of 10 to 12 athletes on a regular basis. Um, we would like to be hitting the 2025 mark by August to allow us to have a squad to select from rather than taking sort of the, everyone who'd trained. Um, again, a lot of the credit with the women's team training has to go to Alan Barnwell or Barney, as everybody probably knows him, um, and Nick Fitzsimons. They've put a tremendous amount of work in um, to trying to get the women's team up to where it needs to be. Uh, whether, you know, when Barney turns up for a training session, whether he has 10 female athletes standing there or two, he's going to run them through the exact same drills. He's going to put them through the same session and give them 100% coaching. You know, it, it doesn't matter to him how many people turn up. He's just trying to, to grow the game in that aspect. Um, I really hope teams do buy into this tournament, whether you're, you know, an established team who's been around five, ten years like the Cowboys or whether you are a your flag team who's only been up and running for a year or two. Dip your toe in the water. You know, you don't have to go to all three tournaments. Um, the registration window, I believe, closes on Saturday um, of this week, which is the 14th or 15th, sorry. Um, but I'm sure if you message Kelly and get in touch with her and tell her what you have available. Um, I know that they're doing a sort of free agent style with it as well. That if you have one female athlete at your club or one or two male athletes and you can't put a team together, send them down to the tournament anyway. Get in touch with Kelly, get them down. I'm sure they can be attached to a team for the day. Um, at the end of the day, it's more flag. That's what we've been telling the Wolf Hounds guys and the Wolf Hounds women's team that, you know, if you really want to be in our squad, if you want to push yourself to that next level, you need to be playing as much flag as possible. I know guys play other, whether it's other sports or other codes within our own sport, but if there's a flag tournament on and you're not making an effort to get down to it, are you really giving yourself the best chance of being in that squad in August? You know, you've got to, you've got to be pushing yourself and doing, we talk about it all the time, do the four things a week, you know, if you can add flag games into that, that's just an extra string to your bow, really. If you're if you're putting in that extra work that other guys aren't, um, it's going to separate yourself from the crowd. But yeah, I think that those tournaments are really what what we see is sort of that foundation that we're building um, towards like an annual tournament potentially. Um, I know Alan Orr's been putting a lot of work in on to try and get us up to that level where we can have women's only tournaments or even these mixed days that we're having to make them sort of an annual thing. Um, I think more needs to be done, but I think that'll always be the case. You know, it's Kelly put it perfectly when she was talking to me about it that saying that more needs to be done doesn't mean that you're not happy with what is being done. But why, you know, why settle with the work that's being put in? We can always be pushing for more. Uh, if we get to the point where there are 50 to 100 women playing in the league, why not have an all female blitz day or an all female league that runs alongside our own? Um, I, I definitely think that there is that sort of glass ceiling there that we can we can really shatter and get through. Um, and I think having people like Kelly Dwyer um, that are pushing at a board level and, and Frida Gallagher and putting that work in to show that this is something that really needs to be done now. Uh, we have this tournament coming up, which is a great advertisement for our sport. Let's capitalise on that and make sure that there's never a European Championship or a World Championship that we're going into again, not knowing if we'll enter a women's team. You know, it, and entering a 10 to 20 person women's team in every tournament going forward should be our standard um, and I think it's something that we really need to get up to 
Yeah, I mean that. That's I was so excited when the tournament got announced because I get like stuff like this does need to be invested in. Uh, I'm hoping, like you said, that the flag department hopefully follows through with this every year. Um, because again, it's only going to benefit. It benefits every side of of what we try to do in promoting the game. Gets women involved. Gets more people playing. Gets more people talking. I just think hopefully again, whether it's whether it's as a mixed. Uh, sort of setup, or whether hopefully if we're able to set up a, a women's league, I think that'd be perfect. Um, I'm sure that's in the kind of long term goals for the for the new flag department. Um, I suppose speaking of which, um, thoughts on a uh, new director and assistant director. Have you talked much to uh, to Ben and Ruben yet, or um, have you planned to to have those conversations? Uh, no, unfortunately, I've been jet lagged for the last three or four days. Um, but I am, yeah, I'm hoping to get a sit down with him and have a chat with him over the next couple of weeks. Um, I think that Ben's a fantastic appointment, to be honest. Um, I think he's somebody that, for those who don't know him or for anybody who's bumped into him in a game day, he is passionate and enthusiastic about flag and he wants to see the game grow. And I think that's in terms of directorship, obviously, we have such a strong board at the moment, um, led by Aidan, that, that has that great group that want to push every avenue of our sport. Um, but having a, a director for flag who can really push what we want as clubs, you know, and as an uh, what I want as a national program that we do want to see the game grow. We want to see more club games. We want to see, you know, a potential for things like summer tournaments. It's something that's always baffled me about our sport is that we train, you know, four or five months a year and we wait for the worst weather to come in and then we start playing games. You know, there's no reason that there, there's enough flag teams now that are independent from club teams and kitted that we can really be pushing, ter- whether it's tournaments or blitz days or whatever we're doing. It doesn't need, necessarily have to be a league in the same way the Premier Division is, but you can be doing tournaments and games outside of that. I know the Panthers, who are obviously Ben's club, um, have been hosting days over the last, I think they've got one coming up next Saturday as well, um, with a few teams to play like a, a sort of tri-series day which is exactly what we need to be doing. And to have somebody who's already putting that work in at club level step into the director role, um, I think it can only be good for the clubs. You know, if if you run a flag team now and you want more games, you want better competition and you want an opportunity for our sport to grow, I think Ben's the right guy to lead it. Um, obviously, you know, we've seen it at the AGM with things that were going on with the removal of the wild card and stuff like that. Um, teams were a little frustrated and I think there maybe was certainly from the clubs that I spoke to, there was maybe a little bit of a sour taste in their mouths towards the director position. Um, but I think Ben can come in now and, you know, not having the shadow sort of what's gone on the last year or two over him, I think he can really come in and, and hit the ground running. Um, I think he'll do fantastic work in the position. Yeah, I mean, with how things kind of finished up with um, with game at flag director, I think it was, it was just... Um, obviously, with how long it's been since then, I think clubs started to get worried about, well, you know, is, is there going to be a flag season this year if if there's no director? Uh, I think it's good bringing in someone as energetic and as enthusiastic about flag uh, as Ben is. Um, I, I think he's a pretty good mind for the sport and I'm sure he has pretty good ideas of, of where he wants to go with things and, and how he wants to get there. So. I'm sure himself and 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 Ruben and everybody else he's bringing on board. Uh, I'm sure there'll be positive additions to the flag department. So, um, fingers crossed. I mean, I suppose we'll see uh, in the next few weeks with uh, how this the the mixed tournament goes. 
And if there's any one-day blitzes, again, as you said, uh, sort of during the summer, uh, would be great for for a couple more um a couple more one day blitzes and then obviously into the season, uh obviously if clubs are playing more games nobody's really going to complain, uh so yeah I suppose we'll see how we go on on that front but I think it's a it's a positive start I think with Ben. Yeah, I think he's you know he's the right guy for the job at the right time. Um, I think AFI do their best to get people in who not only have a good knowledge base of the sport but also are passionate. I I think you know you can sometimes get caught up and I know they had issues with the, the coaching department, things like that of guys who maybe had all the knowledge base there, but you know, you're basically taking on a part-time job voluntarily. It's a lot of work. Um, it's a lot of answering emails, a lot of getting back to people, you know, your week away on holiday isn't always a week away on holiday when you're yeah. still checking WhatsApp chats and stuff like that. But, you know, I think Ben's a guy who even when he's off the clock, will be on the clock sort of thing where, you know, he'll be approachable by clubs and reachable. Um, I think, you know, it's a, a difficult job at times um, from, obviously, I worked with Robbie Caldwell a bit when he was in it. And, um, yeah, it can be a challenging job and I can have a lot of work attached to it. But I think as long as you're open and transparent with clubs and want what's best for flag, which Ben does, uh, I don't see there being any issues. Um, it, same with these women's tournaments, you know, when, when or the mixed tournaments, sorry, the 6v6, um, when they finish up, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see what Ben and Ruben do with the sort of results of that. Whether they, you know, I, I think it could be, be interesting to see Kelly work with them to potentially promote something later on in the year. Um, obviously, as you pointed out there, you know, Kelly had to do a lot of legwork on her own because there just wasn't a director in place. You know, I, I was getting questions at, at Wolfhounds camps of because of this Euros tournament, is there going to be a flag league this year? You know, where we've just been bumped this September, October, November. Um, teams that hadn't maybe got the ref fees and stuff from or their, their ref money from last year um, asking me is there you know who do you contact about that sort of thing and I think that Flag is such a passionate community of people who really do you know it, it's a year round thing for the Flag guys that's what will, uh, can always be tough when you're working with a kitted club with a Flag team is that they very much see it as you know kitted runs from January till August and then Flag comes in Whereas if you're a flag only player, if you're a guy who that's your sport and your code, it, it's a, a 12 month a year thing for you. You know, mm. you're not looking at the kitted calendar or the youth calendar or what else is going on. You're just waiting for the next flag game um, for you to go out and play. Um, and I think we do have the right people in there with, uh, I've had limited interaction with Ruben, but you know, I've heard good things about similar to Ben that he is passionate about the sport and wants what's yeah. best for, for flag teams. Um, so hopefully, yeah, with the two of them at the helm that, um, the sport will be on the upturn over the next year, obviously with the championships as well. And um, we hope that that can provide a bit of a boost to people and show that there is a national team program that you can aim for now. Um, if you're playing at club level, I know that with uh, the, the coaching staff that I have, the scouting that they've done, fantastic. We had guys that, if not every practically every game day last year in the EBC and GBC, um, to make sure that we were seeing every player out there. Um, and I know of. Sorry, there might be a cut there just on my part. Can you still hear me there, Dan? Um, I think that there's a lot of clubs that speaking on, obviously, it's, you know, American football in Ireland rumours get out sometimes. Um, I think a few people were aware of the Ben news maybe just before Saturday um, and were speaking to me about it and things like that and saying that they were very positive about it. Um, I think I had a couple of conversations at Wolfans, I'll not say who with. 
um, on Saturday, but everybody that I spoke to that's with a flag club currently feels that this is not only positive that we now have a director in place and somebody to go to about scheduling and things like that, but uh, that we have a director who's enthusiastic about the sport and is going to push things forward. So, yeah, fingers crossed everything goes well for him and hopefully we'll be having a conversation in the next couple of weeks to see what, what we can do together um, to try and get things on track. Yeah, well, again, you, you kind of said working together is, is the main thing. You know, I feel like sometimes there can be a bit of a fracture between, and this kind of goes for flag and for kitted. Uh, sometimes, again, there can maybe sometimes feel like there's a fracture between uh, national and club level. I think coming together and, and, and figuring out, okay, well, how can we both how can we both best work together to to promote this thing as much as possible? I think it's coming in at a, a good time too, obviously with the um, mixed tournament coming up soon, 29th of April. Um, and I think there's a couple of dates up for that once a month. Uh, so looking forward to that. Uh, Ben's coming in great for, for that to, to help um, to help Kelly out with running that. Um, the Euros obviously coming up soon and then beyond, then you're going straight into a flag league. You know, it's great to to kind of have that all together and great that both kind of sides are, are trying to work together to to boost the, the visibility of the sport as much as possible. I think it's a great year for it. Um, you'd obviously said you came from Kitted and I know it kind of contradicts what we've said before about um, Kitted players only looking January to September or January to August uh, and that's it for football. But we are in the middle of a Kitted season right now. Um, have you been keeping up to date? Uh, with, with everything kitted so far, uh, any sort of any results you were shocked by, or any teams that have impressed you so far, um, or have you have you not really been following the scene at all? Uh, yeah, I've been keeping fairly up to date with it. Um, you know, it's it's something that you never fully leave, really. Um, you know, when you go down to the games and stuff, you see guys hanging around that maybe have been out of the game. In terms of you know maybe haven't been dissolved in three or four years, but still hang around, and speak to guys at the clubs, and and get on with everybody. Um, so there's definitely been some stuff that I've been looking at. Um, obviously life, um, having Nathan Hurdy, their quarterback, yeah. down with us at at Flagwell Finds, they've been an absolute revelation. You know, and it just goes to show that you don't always need fifty guys on your sideline. You know, if you've got twenty five guys there who are putting the work in, um, and are capable, you know, if if they're all training every week, you're going to put a very competent team in the field. Um, I think I think the AFI one will be very interesting this year. Um, really looking forward to that playoff race. You've obviously got teams like Limerick, who were maybe hoping to get up last year. They've got the Rhinos coming down, who seem to have rebuilt um, and put quite a strong team in the ground. Um, and then obviously Louth and Kildare, um, the Razorbacks and the Vipers sort of fighting for those maybe other two playoff spots. Um, I think it'll be quite an interesting playoff run. Um, the SBC is... Well, the SBC is always interesting to me. Um, even before I was... Before I got involved as a coach, even when I was just doing flag coaching up in Korean, I would have come down to Belfast for the Knights games, Trojans games, and even a couple of Cowboys games. You know, it's always it's always a good day. Um, I'm very interested with the the Cowboys Knights. I don't know if this will maybe go out after that, but uh, with or sorry, the Trojans Knights this weekend. Um, I don't know if this will maybe go out after that game. Um, but that'll be very interesting. Um, I think to see Trojans obviously had a little bit of a low score in a couple of weeks. Um, see if they can bounce back from that. But you know, it's always a well, that's nearly a wee slip of the tongue there. Um, forgot what podcast it was on, but um, yeah, it's always a, a tough fuck game in Belfast. Like you know, w- even when we were there and we were a fairly dominant team with the Trojans, the Knights always play hard. Guys like Spencer McDowell um, are always going to go out there and throw themselves into every hit, uh, especially in that game. You know, that's it's the first one you draw a circle around the calendar when it comes out. So that should be a very interesting game. But um, yeah, 
just excited for the rest of the season, really, to see uh, UCD have obviously had a little bit of a rough patch um, to start the season. That Cork game maybe wasn't the result they were hoping for, but um, I think Cork's always a tough game, whether you play them at home yeah. or on the road. Um, obviously, the road, you have the little bit of the, the travel disadvantage, but, you know, when you're going down and playing a team with Stephen Hayes and John Dashney and Jack Rowan, that's that's not going to be an easy team to beat. Um, but, yeah, I'm very interested for the SBC playoffs and looking forward to seeing you in them with Westmeath as well, obviously. Um, that <laughs> season's still alive, so fingers crossed that you guys are the one seed and I get to go down and watch a game in Westmeath this year. It's one seed. Wow. We're, uh, we're optimistic. Anyway, lo- <laughs> love to hear that. You, you um, told me you were going to be the one seed on Saturday. That's all I'm saying. That, that is true. That's, that's true, yeah. I wasn't lying either. I wasn't lying. I never said what year, um, but I did say that we would be one seed. So <laughs> whether it's whether it's 10 years down the line or uh, whether, it's, whether it's this season, we'll see. Um, no, that, that's great, Dan. Um, uh, great to, to have a talk to you that doesn't involve me immediately going out and doing drills or just coming from drills and gassed. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's great, great to have you on. Uh, great to have you on talking about flag football and the uh, tournaments coming up, whether that's the Euros in August, uh, the weekend before the college football game, uh, or whether it's the, the mixed tournament there happening at the end of April or starting at the end of April. Um, it, it's been great. Uh, fingers crossed we can have you on again, uh, maybe after the Euros, uh, where we can we can go a bit more kind of uncensored with some things. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tee... Tease the followers there. Um, but no, it has been great talking to you, Dan. Um, and I do appreciate, no, appreciate thank, you coming on. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, again, I think that the domestic game and stuff like that, it's something I wish was around the league a little bit more when I was involved in kitted. You know, I, I don't maybe with, with the Wolfhounds flag and stuff make it as many kitted games as I'd like to. Um, but having that sort of weekly digest to, to see what's going on and uh, it definitely helps keep guys up to date with it that maybe aren't as aren't as around the games as they want to be. Um, but yeah, no, thank you so much for having me on. Um, it's always good to come on and talk flag and even a little bit of kitted. And hopefully I'll either be coming on post-Euros for a little bit of an uncensored chat or maybe coming on with a medal and a little bit of a, a hangover chat, depending on how that That sounds, going. yeah. Either way, it sounds great. <laughs> Guys, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, again, we really do appreciate you to, um, helping out, whether it's sharing on social media, whether it's uh, tipping us a bit of uh, price for coffee, or whether it's just listening on Spotify, on I can't even list the rest of the things we're on. Hopefully, fingers crossed, some other platforms soon. Um, we'll uh, we'll maybe tease that as well. Um, but guys, thank you so much. Uh, listening to uh, National Flag Football Team head coach and avid domestic game podcast listener, Mr. Dan Shaw. Um, thank you so much, guys. Peace.